0: Right. hey, good morning, everybody. I am thrilled that you are with us today. Hey, we are carrying on in our series. Today is the third part in a new series that we launched called The Fundamental List. So if you're with us for the first time or maybe you're watching online, you picked a great time to be with us. Now I want to be, um, make something clear that as we go throughout this series seven weeks, each Sunday is going to build on what you heard the week before. And so if you've missed anything, you need to go back and catch up. You can either download our podcast or you can go on our website and watch uh, the video feed of the sermon there as well. But each week's going to build on what we experienced the week before. And today we're going to shift. Last week we talked about God the Father and how good He is. And now we're going to shift and begin to send and focus on Jesus. And so uh, as we jump into our sermon, it's right, it's good for us as always to begin by reading from the story, from scripture. And so this morning we're going to read from Colossians chapter 1. We're going to read verses 15 through 20. This is a, a letter written by a guy named Paul to a church uh, early on in the first century. And we'll talk more about that in just a few moments. So if you if you have your Bibles, great, you can follow along. Translation I'm reading from is a little bit different. So I invite you simply to just listen and follow along as I read to us now from Colossians chapter 1 verses 15 through 20. Paul says that he Jesus is the image of God the invisible one the firstborn of all creation for in him all things were created in the heavens and here on the earth things we can see and things we cannot thrones and lordships and rulers and powers all things were created both through him and for him. He is a head prior to all else, and in him all things hold together. And he himself is supreme, the head over the body, the church. He is the start of it all, first born from the realms of the dead, so in all things he might be the chief. For in him all the fullness was glad to dwell, and through him to reconcile all to himself, making peace through the blood of his cross. Through him, yes, things on the earth, and also things in the heavens. So, guys, I, I got to be honest with you. I'm in a real good headspace this morning. I'm in a really good headspace this morning because yesterday was a big day. I don't know if you guys know this, but yesterday was the kickoff to football season. Are you aware of that? Okay, next week is really kind of the big kickoff, but yesterday there was a huge game on. Notre Dame played Navy and just destroyed Navy, and they were in Dublin, and I watched the whole thing, and then I got to turn the channel from that, and Aaron Rodgers and the Jets were playing their final preseason game, so starters were getting to play, and it was an awesome day for me to just watch some football, and then when that was over, I got to turn it to the Tour Championship and watch a little golf, so like me, I'm in dad heaven, and I think Sarah's just getting progressively madder I just watch television all day long. You know how that goes? And I love watching sports. And one of the things that I love is not only the game, but sometimes the commercials that come on in the games are really fascinating. And one, and I can't remember which game I was watching, but one of the commercials that I saw yesterday, it was by a nonprofit religious group. And maybe you've seen these commercials. They're called He Gets Us. Have any of you seen those commercials on television? And they're all about Jesus. And they range from anywhere from a minute to 30 seconds. They kicked off in the Super Bowl last uh, earlier this year. But the one I saw yesterday, and again, I can't remember which game it was, but it started out with a guy taking off his work boots, and this gruff voice comes on and it says he didn't have a college degree he didn't have money his parents didn't have a pedigree so he worked hard like me and you he invested but not in stocks and bonds in people he gets us. And then it shows Jesus across the screen. And y'all, like, when I watched that one, the voice is terrible. That voice I just gave was like actually how that voice really went on the commercial, I'm serious. So it was bad. But the content of the message was actually pretty good. What they what we were attempting to do throughout this series is to say to people, Jesus is like us. Jesus, we can relate to him on a human level. And when I see those commercials, which I've seen all throughout the year, I cannot help but think of an, of an experience that I had. In 2005, I was just out of the University of Georgia and I worked for a summer camp, and and this summer camp was a religious summer camp. It was a massive camp, you guys. Over the course of 10 weeks, we were in Panama City, Florida, and we were right beside Club La Vila. Does anybody remember Club La Vila? Maybe don't raise your hands if you do from Panama City, okay? But we were right beside Club La Vila, and and it was 25,000 kids, teenagers, would come down to this camp throughout the course of the summer. It was 2,000 kids a week. And it was a camp where we celebrated Jesus and we had some of the best speakers in the country who were there. Some of the greatest musicians in our ecosystem were there. And it was an incredible thing. And I got to see lives transformed as I went throughout this summer camp. And all of that was really excellent. But the one thing that I remember more than anything else from this summer camp was the merchandise shop. Because you could go and buy books from the speakers who were there. You could go and buy shirts and hats that were created by the company that I was working for. And there was one shirt and one hat design in particular that sold just like thousands of shirts and hats over the course of the summer. And it was Jesus on one side and then written in really big bold letters. It said, Jesus is my homeboy. Jesus is my homeboy. Does anybody remember that kind of era of youth ministry? Jesus is my homeboy. And I get it. It's the same kind of principle that we find at work in the He Gets Us campaign. What, what we are trying to do, essentially, is we're trying to put Jesus on a level with which we can relate to him. And so for men who are watching football, hey, he doesn't have a college degree. He works hard. For teenagers who are in an awkward phase in their life, Jesus is your homeboy. And I get it. Ultimately, what we are trying to do is this. We're trying to make Jesus be like us. We're trying to make Jesus be like us so that he is relatable to people in the modern world. And I understand where we're coming from. Because the fact of the matter is, friends, when you read through the stories about Jesus, there are four primary stories about Jesus in the Bible. There's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They're all stories about Jesus' life and his work and what he did while he was on the Galilee and in Jerusalem. And when you read through those stories, what you find is someone who is, in fact, in so many ways, Jesus is a lot like us. There's a story about Jesus who shows up at a wedding, not because he has to be there, but because he wants to be there. And the moment comes up in the wedding when all the wine runs out and people think that the party is over and everybody's about to head toward the doors and go home, and that's precisely in that moment where Jesus is like, no, 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 y'all, y'all, we are just getting started. See, Jesus is that sort of person who shows up into situations and he brings life and joy and vitality. Jesus is someone who is a lot like us, right? That's true. Jesus gives his closest followers nicknames, Peter, Rocky. He calls him the Rock right? Jokingly, fun. That's the sort of person that Jesus is. We can relate to him on a number of levels, and that is right, and that is true, and that is good, right? Anytime you ask a teenage kid, what's, uh, if, you're, if you're supposed to memorize a Bible verse, what's the one that everybody always memorizes? Do you know it? Jesus wept. It's the shortest verse in the Bible, and so everybody like, yeah, I know my Bible verse, Jesus wept. And, and you, you kind of laugh about it because it's silly that a teenager would memorize two words. But, but in fact, it's profound. It points to the reality that Jesus is a lot like us. He has experienced joy. He has experienced loss. He has done all of the things that we do as we go throughout our lives. A 30-year-old man who was a carpenter in Galilee and yet takes on this role as a rabbi and a teacher and as a voice that is crying out in the world. Guys, make no mistake about it. There are a number of ways in which Jesus is, in fact, a lot like us the author of one letter that was written to a a church filled with Jewish people letter to the Hebrews he goes as far as to say that Jesus is like us in every single way except that he is without sin now I'm going to pause for a minute that except is a pretty big deal and we'll talk more about that next week. But, but Jesus is like us in so many ways. And so what I want you to know this morning is that Jesus has a humanity like yours. And if you have been through a difficult situation, if you've been through a difficult time, Jesus knows what that feels like. If you've ridden high on the mountaintops and you're filled with joy and wonder and goodness, Jesus I can identify with that too. And I get the impulse to say Jesus is like us because at one level he is. But friends, the fact of the matter is, if we stop at that, we are missing out on something really, really important, right? You can read the Sermon on the Mount. If, if you're not a Christian here this morning, I feel like I say this all the time, but if you're not a Christian and you want to know more about Jesus, I invite you to go and read Matthew 5, 6, and 7, the greatest teaching that the world has ever known, practical advice, on how to live into the fullness of who God has created us to be, the the Sermon on the Mount by Jesus, go and read it because it is filled with beautiful things on how we can live and live well. But I want us to understand something, that at one level, Jesus is like us. At one level, Jesus is this incredible teacher. But make no mistake about it, friends, if, and I want us to understand this, if Jesus is only a great teacher, if Jesus is only a great teacher, then he is no different than any other person from history. If Jesus is only a great teacher, if Jesus is only like us, then he is no different than Socrates, he is no different than the Buddha, he is no different than Plato, or any other figure from history, because he lived and he died, and that is the end of his story. And if Jesus is just a great teacher, then what I want to tell you this morning is that while he is admirable, He is not someone that we are called to root our lives in. And so at one level, y'all, I want to affirm, absolutely, Jesus is a lot like us. But if Jesus is only a great teacher or a great mind, then he is no different than any other person in history. And as we dig in to the essentials, what does it mean to be a Christian? What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus in 2023 when the world is now fully and firmly in the United States and in Western countries? We are post-Christian. And most people have no idea. I'm even gonna go as far as to say a lot of Christians don't have any real idea about how to process Jesus and understand the nature of who he is. And so it is absolutely essential that we have a firm grasp on who Jesus is. Because yes, he is a lot like us. But make no mistake about it, friends, Jesus makes claims about his own self that we need to take seriously. If you go back and you read in one of the stories of his life, the Gospel of John, Jesus goes as far as to say, if you have seen the Father, you have seen me. If you have seen the Father, you have seen me. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And so Jesus is making these bold claims. He is not just a teacher, but there is something incredible happening in him and through him. Jesus makes bold claims about himself. Jesus goes as far as to say that he takes on the very nature of God's own self. And so at one level, yes, he is a lot like us. But if we stop there, we are missing out on something incredibly important. Because not only does Jesus make claims about who he is and what he has been called to do in this world, but in particular after his resurrection, after that first Easter Sunday, this, the, the church, it launches out in the world and people for the first time begin thinking a little more deeply. Not, not only is Jesus who he says he is, but Jesus might even be something greater and more profound than even we could have imagined. And so the early church begins to process and think through what does it mean that this rabbi who we followed through Galilee and into Jerusalem, he was crucified and we thought the story was over. But then on the third day, he was raised from the dead. And the last thing he said to the disciples before he ascended to the Father was that all authority, now hear this, all authority had been given to him in heaven and on the earth. So what do we do with Jesus? And that's one of the things that the early church really had to think through and process. I read to you a few minutes ago from Paul's letter to the church at Colossae. Now, this is fascinating stuff, you guys. This is a a letter that Paul wrote to a church he had never actually been to. It, It was a young church. He had just gotten word that they were even in existence. And Paul, who was one of the earliest followers of Jesus, one of the sharpest minds in the early church, he's writing them a letter to encourage them. He's writing them a letter to to help them understand the essentials of faith, right? The second half of the letter, he gets to some kind of practical things. But in the first half of the letter, he spends the entire time nailing and hammering home for them. You have to understand Jesus. Because there will be people who tell you things that aren't true about him. And so if you want to live into the life that God intends for you, Paul says to the church at Colossae, you first and foremost have to understand who he is. And in Colossians chapter one, that passage that I read to you, Colossians chapter one, verses 15 through 20, it can get lost in our English translations. But what scholars know and that we all hold to be true is that when Paul is introducing the letter, when he gets to this part about the nature of who Jesus is, he does something incredible. He shifts from writing a letter to essentially singing a song, writing its poetry. Now, we don't know, did Paul write this poem? Colossians chapter 1, 15 through 20, did Paul write it? Was it already there? But one of the things we do know is that it was one of the earliest Christian hymns. So when we want to understand who Jesus is, what Paul does is rather than go into this lengthy diatribe and this lengthy theological discussion, what he does, y'all, is he breaks out into songs. Because if you've ever heard it, y'all are going to forget what I preached on. Some of you have already forgotten already. But you're never going to forget a song, are you? My girls walk through the house singing music that gets on my nerves right now. Every Disney song. I know it by heart because you don't forget songs. And when Paul is trying to help the early church understand who Jesus is, he breaks into a song. In him, the fullness of God was pleased to dwell in him. He is the firstborn of all creation and the firstborn from the realms of the dead. Paul makes a bold and profound statement. And we really need to pay attention to this because at one level, absolutely, Jesus is like us. But if you want to understand the Christian life, If you want to understand the true nature of the gospel, then we need to listen to what Paul says in Colossians chapter one. Because not only is Jesus a person who is like us, but the bold and profound claim that Paul and Jesus himself make is none other than this, that yes, Jesus is a human like us, but more importantly, Jesus is God. Jesus is God. And if you want to know the nature of who God is, all you need to do, we believe, is to look at Jesus Himself. Because in Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And far too many people don't understand the radical fact that defines our faith. I was talking to an adult the other day Actually, it was last month, and I'm talking to an adult, and I'm talking to him about his faith, and and he's asking me about resurrection and what that means, and resurrection that Jesus was physically, bodily raised, and he said to me, he was like, "Yep," and now Jesus has gone up into the heavens, and he's an angel with the Father. No, he's not. And while this person was willing to express that in his voice, what most of us do is we just misunderstand who Jesus is. So please, please y'all hear me. The bold claim of the Christian faith is that yes, Jesus is a human being, but more importantly, Jesus is God. And if you want to know who God is, all we need to do is look at Jesus himself. It is absolutely essential to living the Christian life. I've been thinking a lot about this because over my sabbatical, so if you're here maybe for the first time, I just got back. I was on sabbatical for five weeks, which I was gone. I, I was not here at all. Guys, I deleted my email off my phone. Didn't check emails for five weeks. you know how awesome that is? That's incredible. I recommend you do that, okay? Try it. Try it and see. You'll, I pro- hey, listen, I'm gonna let you in on a little secret. The world will continue to turn, I swear. Everything's gonna be fine. So I took five weeks off, and one of the cool things that I got to do is I got to go to other churches, which is something that as ministers we don't ever get to do. So I got to go to some other churches. I got to watch some sermons and some worship services online, and it was really kind of cool. And one of the things I walked away with was this striking reality that churches in our modern era, in a world that is increasingly post christian Churches are trying as hard as they can to stay relevant. Churches churches are trying as hard as they can to give practical advice to people. Hey, can I I just let you in on a little secret? There's nothing practical about the gospel. There's nothing practical about the gospel. If you want to find your life, you lose it. That's the gospel that, that, that God took on flesh and died for us. And he was resurrected. There's nothing practical about the gospel. Let's just be real. But as I'm watching these churches, y'all, the music is really good. The, the, some of the uh, content was really great. But, but what was striking to me is I watched a number of these pastors get up and they would preach sermons about how you can have a better marriage. And I want you to have a good marriage. I do. I watched a number of churches preach sermons about how you can have a better financial life. And, and that's great, y'all. I want you to have a good financial life. I, I, I listened to one church that was, how can you have an impactful and important business life? And I want all of that for you, I do. But make no mistake about it, if we don't get the essentials right, then none of that stuff matters. If we don't understand the nature of who Jesus is, then who cares about your finances? I'm actually gonna go even further than that. And, and I want you, to, this, is, this is really important, guys, because here's the claim I wanna make on you, that if we in fact, when, when and if, we can actually understand the nature of who Jesus is, and listen, everything else in our lives begins to make sense if we can it's a bold claim if we can understand the nature of who Jesus is then everything else in our lives will finally begin to make sense and fall into place you want to have a good financial life If you understand the nature of who Jesus is and you know when he says that life does not consist in the abundance of your possessions, this is not just practical teaching, but it's from the very heart of God. If you understand the nature of who Jesus is, everything else begins to fall into place. If you want to have a healthy marriage, you can go listen to practical steps on how to be a better husband and a better wife. I recommend that you do that. But first and foremost, understand the nature of who Jesus Christ is because if we do that properly, what we will then know is that, husbands, you are called to love your wives in the same way that Christ loved the church and he was willing to die for her. You see, friends, we can waste all of our time pursuing the practical strategies of how to live a good life, and those are fine. But if we first and foremost don't understand who Jesus is, then none of that stuff matters. And so when we understand the nature of Jesus, everything else begins to fall in its proper place. And we can hear him firmly and finally say that seek first his kingdom and everything else will take care of itself. This stuff really matters, friends. Listen, I, 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 I want to go back to the letter for just a second because there's, there's one little section that if we're not paying attention... We can just fly right through it because we read the Bible, and I know a lot of us we kind of go off in la la land when we read the Bible. But but in Colossians chapter 1, there's actually it's just a few words, one sentence, that has always just grabbed me and sucked me in. It's profound. Maybe it's one of the most important things that Paul says in the entirety of the New Testament. Writing to a church that he has never met. Telling them how to understand who Jesus is. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 16, here's what he says. That all things were made, get ready, through him and, even more provocatively, for him. Jesus is a human being like us, but do not forget that Jesus is God and all things. Do you know what the Greek word all things means? Everything. All things were made through him, and get ready, for him. Let the implications of that settle in on you for just a minute. You were created for Jesus and his praise. Your life is not meaningless, but you have a distinct purpose and privilege in this life. You were created for him and his glory. The work that you do throughout the course of your days, it was created for Him and His glory. The posts you put on social media, they were created to bring Him glory. All things, all things were created through Him and most importantly, for Him. In another one of Paul's letters in the letter to the church at Ephesus, he says that you are God's poetry created in Him to do the good works that He set out beforehand. Jesus is a human being like us, but don't forget He is most importantly God. And we have the privilege of doing work for Him and His glory. There's this incredible moment in the life of Jesus where, where he's walking along he's in a city called Caesarea Philippi and he is walking with his disciples and he's pretty pretty late into his ministry at this point point. and he comes to his disciples and he he's asking a question because word about Jesus is starting to spread all around the Galilee may, maybe down into Jerusalem too and so the moment comes where Jesus is with his 12 and he goes hey guys I'm curious what are what's everybody saying about me What's everybody saying about me? And Peter, who who is kind of like the chief of staff right-hand man, he always speaks up first, right? That's what he does. He's type A. He's alpha dog. And he says, Jesus, some people, some people, they say that you're like John the Baptist. Other people say that you're a prophet. And what they are doing in that moment is they are trying to connect Jesus to them, you're, you're a prophet. You do these incredible things, but you're a human being. You're, you're just like us. So, so some people say you're John the Baptist. Some people say you're a prophet. So, man, Jesus, people think you're really impressive. And Jesus, man, wow, that's pretty cool. But then he stops, and you can imagine he looks directly at Peter. And he says, that's fine, but what do you say about me and in this moment in the story that is filled with anticipation Peter looks at Jesus and you can imagine him catching his breath before he says these words Jesus you are the Christ the son of the living God Jesus, yes, you are a person like me, but as I've watched you travel around and hear you teach and listen to the things that you are telling and watching the things that you are doing, I am convinced that yes, you are like me, but you are something more profound. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You are God's true King. And you are my Lord and my Savior. And I love that story, friends. Because what it does is it actually points beyond Peter. It points beyond Peter because at one level, it is a story that happened 2,000 years ago, but please hear me, it is a story that is happening right now as well. And what I want you to understand is this, friends, that this is not just about other people. It's not just about Peter. It's also about you. What do you say about Jesus? You know, at the beginning of the sermon, I I talked about how our inclination is to, to try and make Jesus like us. And I get it. I get it. Because in so many ways, He is. But what I want us to understand as we embark on this journey of the essentials, is that if we understand and know who Jesus truly is, the invitation is not to make Jesus look like us, but instead the invitation is far more radical because Jesus invites us to be like Him. Jesus invites us to be like Him because if He is the fullness of God, then He is worth our lives. So what do you, what do you say about Jesus. And with that question kind of hanging in the air, what I want to do is I want to take a moment and I'm going to pray for you this morning. So if you would join me and let's pray together. God, we are grateful. We are grateful for our time together. We are grateful that we can be here and we can celebrate Jesus. So Lord, some of us are here this morning and maybe we've walked away from the church. Some of us are here this morning and maybe we have been in church for all of our lives and God, we've never truly wrestled with who Jesus is. For so many of us, he's someone that we take advice from, but God, on this day, help us to see who he truly is. That as Paul said, God, in him, the fullness was glad to dwell. Lord, help us to understand who Jesus is. Help us to know that when we get that right, then everything else begins to take shape. God, there is someone who is worthy of our time and our lives, and his name is Jesus. So may we know today that, yes, he is like us, but more importantly, he is God. And Lord, may we leave this place prepared to speak Jesus out into the world. Help us to know what we say when asked the question, who is Jesus? May we speak his name on this day. Continue to be with us as we worship. This is our prayer, and we ask it in his name. Amen.